by showing you actually the latest satellite picture of Slow down. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode which, as you might have guessed by the title, is a Christmas special. We're devoting this podcast to the main ingredients that make this festive season what it is. Gift giving, charity and food. But don't worry, we've made sure it won't be cliché, because today we're taking some fresh angles on some ways we traditionally celebrate this holiday season. And being the slow news podcast, we begin by focusing on another slow movement that's especially relevant this season, slow consuming. Nana will give you some tips on how to consume more sustainably in the midst of the Christmas gift-giving frenzy. And also, since we're thinking about how to do things more ethically, while we're at it, we'll also talk about giving to charity. Louise will consider if this is always ethical and righteous. Most of us usually guess so, but maybe we should think twice. And of course, food. Christmas is a time for enjoying and sharing hearty and delicious homemade meals. But for some people, this isn't only exceptional to the winter season, but rather the standard way of enjoying food. Stay tuned because Valerie will tell us more about the slow food movement and what they're all about. When talking about Christmas, one of the first things that come to mind is presents. We all love them, but they are not without challenges. And I know that for some people, it ends up being more of a headache than an actual joy. From my perspective, it feels like we somehow along the way forgot what the gesture of giving a gift is about. That is actually about making someone dear to you happy by buying or making something for them that they have wished for or that they hadn't even realized themselves that they needed in their life. That it's about the love and the thoughtfulness and the joy we want to bring to others by giving, not about taking off whatever item we can locate from their wish list. And in the middle of all this stress, it seems like that the last thing we have time for is to be sustainable and think about the environment. Oh, I know this took a turn where you might currently be rolling your eyes at this podcast and be thinking about turning it off. But please stay with us for just a few more minutes, because we are not here to make you feel bad about buying Christmas gifts that are not sustainable, or for getting caught up in the stress of it all. We're not here to lecture you. We are, however, here to inspire you on how to keep these things in the back of your head when the Christmas madness takes over. So here are five relatively short and concrete tips on how to buy gifts that are more sustainable. The first tip is, buy things secondhand. More often than not, you can actually find specific items that you wanted to give them anyway, but secondhand. Whether it's a book for your mom, the PlayStation game your little sister loves, or even a specific toy for your nephew. Go to your favorite secondhand store or online store and see where you can dig out. Second tip, give experiences or other types of non-physical gifts. It can be the very classical experience like a trip to the movies, tickets for the theater or the local Tivoli, but it can also be things that can be enjoyed for several months or even the entire year, like a membership or a subscription, whether it is for the local museum or an online magazine that they love. The third tip is to buy consumables or plants. Do they love a great whiskey or maybe they have been talking about growing their own herbs for ages? 
It's something that they can enjoy for a longer time and maybe even treat themselves too while thinking of you. My fourth tips is to make a gift yourself. I am fully aware that not all people will appreciate a homemade present like your mom, but it's still such a nice gesture to give something that you have actually spent time on making. It can be things like knitting a pair of socks, hand painting a coffee mug, or maybe making a necklace. My fifth and last advice is that if you have to buy something, buy it in a nice quality that will last them a longer time. Or if it's possible, buy things that were ethically and or locally made. It might be more expensive, but they will be able to enjoy it longer. And there is just something about receiving a bit of everyday luxury. Whether it is an amazing cashmere sweater or a handmade cutting board. Lastly, it is also worth thinking about the wrapping. I myself hate wrapping gifts, so I'm not really the person to be creative and wrap gifts beautifully. But thinking about whether you can find everyday items to wrap the gifts in can be pretty fun. And one of the things I know for sure is that you can do some pretty amazing wraps with newspapers. I promise you that they will be very Instagrammable and pretty. That wasn't too bad, right? I hope you stuck with us throughout. You can find a more concrete list of suggestions for Christmas gifts, same place where you find this podcast. Thanks, Nana. I think what's really great about these tips is that all these ideas are actually things I'd want to receive. I mean, they're both more sustainable and good gifts. Also, if you're anything like me, now you can just use this list as a legitimate excuse to go to even more secondhand shops. Just kidding, though. Thrift shopping is good in any season. But on the note of giving and doing good, we couldn't help but think of another traditional Christmas practice, giving to charity. I think it's very important to have an honest conversation about giving to charity, because there is often pressure to not criticize this practice because it's characteristically considered so moral and righteous. So any criticism is like taboo, and there's a lot of pressure to comply with the discourse. Of course, the values of charity are morally good, but are the institutions really? Luis will tell us more about some alternative ways of acting on these values and why they might be better. Luis? Many people regularly donate to charity to do good. Christmas remains a time where many tend to become particularly charitable. For example, in Denmark and in many other countries, it has become more and more common to donate money to charities for Christmas rather than giving presents to your friends and family. Maybe we also donate online, or maybe we get asked directly on the street by someone from a charity. But what is it that makes us give or donate more at Christmas time? Mostly, people say that they want to help, that it is because it makes them feel good, and because they want to give something in return to other people that have been kind to them. That generosity should of course be celebrated. However, today, we would also like to point to some of the less rosy aspects of donating to charities and think about why people are more willing to give money during Christmas. Generally, Studies show that trust in charities has actually been falling in several countries due to revelations of how charities spent private donations and how international aid organizations treated locals in the country where they operated. Since it was revealed that Oxfam staff sexually exploited victims of the Haiti earthquake in 2010, Oxfam has lost 7,000 regular donors in the UK, according to the Guardian newspaper. However, Trust in the charity sector started falling even before Oxfam staff were accused of sexual harassment. At the same time, the Danes seem to be happier than ever to donate money to charities, 
especially at Christmas time. Two in five individuals donate to charities during Christmas, according to a study by the Danish think tank YouGov. That is about 30% of the people that celebrate Christmas in Denmark. In the same study, people mainly indicate that they donate money because they know that Christmas is a tough time for homeless people and families with a low income. The second most important reason is that Christmas offers a good opportunity to help other people. 17% of those that were surveyed even indicate that they donate more at this time of year because there is more focus and more campaigns on charitableness. You might have noticed that the campaigns and slogans that charities use change around this time of year. In Denmark, for example, charities appeal to individuals for donations to what they call julehjelp, which literally means Christmas help. The idea is that private donations go to families that cannot afford to celebrate Christmas. Maybe they cannot afford to give their children presents or to make a special meal on that day. Families that receive Christmas help typically get a gift voucher to a supermarket or a basket with food and presents, which allows families to have a Christmas like other families. If you have a look at the slogans and campaigns that charities use, you might realize that charities rely on marketing in the same way that stores and companies do. For example, the slogans are about children feeling left out from the event that all other families celebrate at this time of year. But the campaigns also appeal to your personal feelings, such as when they state that you know the feeling of being left out, of not belonging to a community, and so on. The slogans become something very personal that instantly connects the donor to the person at the receiving end of the charity because they can relate to the same feeling. Charities know they can appeal to people more during Christmas time by making use in their campaigns of the values that surround Christmas. Charity almost becomes a product you can buy just to help others and to make yourself feel instantly better. Charities are businesses in that sense. They rely on a certain amount of income and their product is to make their customers feel that they have helped another person. While most campaigns and initiatives involve monetary donations, there has also developed a different form of Christmas charitableness in Denmark in recent years. It has become more and more common for people to open their homes to strangers that are either alone on Christmas or that cannot afford to celebrate the festivities. You can offer your home, a cozy atmosphere, and a meal to a person you don't know. According to a study by the Danish think tank Voxmeter, 13,000 Danes spent Christmas alone last year. In Denmark and in many other countries, being alone between the 24th and the 26th of December in particular is considered very sad. As with the campaign I mentioned before, the campaign to find a Christmas friend, as it's called, also plays on the idea that no one should feel left out. It plays on the importance of our traditions and human Christian values. In contrast to the other campaigns, however, this one is not particularly profitable for the charities, and it requires putting your heart and effort into something. Our aim with this analysis today is of course not to point fingers at charities, and especially not at the people that donate money or open their home to others. The idea was to have a critical look at the aspects behind the work of charities and to raise awareness of the strategies that they employ. There is a saying in Danish, Julen er jadernes fest, which translates roughly into Christmas is the celebration of the hearts. In other words, Christmas is all about showing love and compassion to your family, friends and fellow human beings. 
People tend to share more and show more care for others because Christmas reminds them of these values. The saying also reminds people that giving money to charities and sharing some of our surplus is not really enough in itself. At the end of the day, it is about how we treat fellow human beings and to put our heart into the things that we do for others, not just around Christmas time, but all year round. That's very well said, Louise. Thank you so much for these insights. And speaking of the magic and values of Christmas, we simply had to talk about food. We all celebrate Christmas differently, but I think it's safe to say that food is always a central aspect of it. For example, in Bulgaria, where I come from, we actually celebrate on Christmas Eve. So on the 24th, people usually spend the whole day preparing an uneven number of vegan dishes, usually seven or nine, and in the evening we gather together around the table. And I think everyone, regardless of how they celebrate, is always so excited about Christmas food because, well, mostly because it's homemade and it's just so hearty and delicious. And I think the whole idea about enjoying food like this comes with certain values and creates a certain homely, hugely mood that we all get. In fact, it's so good that it's become a movement of its own, the slow food movement. Valerie here will tell us more about the movement and its ethics. Valerie? Yes, I personally always thought that slow food was just a term which people used to counter the fast food idea. But slow food is actually an organization. The Italian Carlo Petrini founded slow food in the late 1980s, so already 30 years ago. He and his companions wanted to promote local food and traditional cooking, They want to preserve biological and cultural diversity in the food industry. They want to promote environmental-friendly food production. And also they're aiming to um, promote direct contact to and solidarity with producers, consumers, merchants, chefs, scientists, and so on. So in general, we can say that slow food presents an alternative way of the, so to speak, globalized way of eating. Today, the organization Slow Food has almost 80,000 members worldwide. One of the conviviums, as they are called, is in Jutland, Denmark. Hadi Jensen is the chairman of the convivium and he has a very clear idea of what he wants to achieve. To make people aware uh, of the importance that we, we keep to the, the, the main rules of, of Slow Food, to, that the, the food must be of a good quality, uh, but it's also about the fair trade of, of food. Good, clean and fair are the main words. Good, clean and fair is what Slow Food Jutland stands for. With 20 members, the local organization is quite small. Maybe that is because in Denmark people are already quite aware of what they consume. I think that, that, that uh, Denmark is on the forefront If, if you think of, of the organic movement in Denmark, which is strong and has been for has been building for the last 30 years, you know, I, I think Denmark is one of the most advanced countries in the world. So, so with that respect, I feel the our opinions they are accepted uh, 
a lot more than in other countries. Um, but but the organization itself is is not big. But that that won't stop us, uh, you know, making our point. Slow Food Jutland organizes events with food tastings and workshops to inform people. Hardy Jensen himself even met the Minister of Food and Agriculture in Denmark to discuss the ideas of slow food. Working for slow food is voluntary. Hardy, as well as all the other members, is engaged because he is convinced of the slow food values. And his commitment doesn't even stop in Christmas time. Christmas, you know, in, in our part of the world, sometimes you can really find that a bit absurd, uh, absurd because it becomes consumption in, um, in such a drastic way. So in my mind, it's all, almost unacceptable when we think of, of the state of the world. When I invite guests, we have guests in our house, uh, I would, of course, think about uh, uh, the local principles. Of course, Christmas and the consumerism that surrounds it can be seen critically from all slow movements. But you can still enjoy all the Christmas food and drinks and pay a little attention to what you are consuming, says Hardy. My own opinion on, 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 on Christmas time is that uh, it's fine, it's fine for me. Uh, I just hope that the people, they, they think of quality in what they eat and, and, and fairness in the trade. I think that that would be recognizable. <laughs> Not not focus on quantity, but focus on quality. Thank you so much. And I personally couldn't agree more. I also think that quality is more important than quantity, not only when it comes to food, but also, as Nana was saying earlier, when it comes to gift giving and other types of consuming. And nowadays, for understandable reasons, there's just so much negative emphasis on our ways of consuming that it's very easy to forget that consumption can also be such a nice thing that both feels good and is not necessarily environmentally destructive, like making your own gift for someone or growing and preparing food yourself. There's a certain charm to it. And I think in general, in our society, for many people, Christmas is not so much a religious celebration anymore, but rather embodies precisely the slow values that we've been talking about today. And of course, although this is our Christmas episode, they are important all year round. We're hoping that you're all sinking into this festive mood already and that you've enjoyed listening to us. Thank you for staying with us today, and we hope you have a warm and cozy Christmas and a happy new year.